Welcome to the Calibre podcast, brought to you by the Watchers of Switzerland Group. In this episode, Brian Duffy, CEO of the group, meets with Andrea Nunziata, Brand Director of Amiga and Managing Director of the Swatch Group UK. They talk about the origins of the name of the brand, the rich history of the key pillars, and along with some recent introductions, discuss some of the iconic watches and associations from the Apollo missions, the Moonwatch, Snoopy, and the Bond franchise. Hi Andrea, thanks for thanks for joining me. Uh, Andrea has a has a wonderful job. He's uh, in charge of uh, all of the brands of the the Swatch Group uh, here in the UK. He's got a long uh, uh, history with the Swatch Group, in particular with the brand that's closest to his heart. I know the uh, the Omega brand. Yeah. Uh, so before talking about the Omega brand, and uh, tell us a wee bit about how you managed to find your your way into this great job. You know, I think there is an expression in French that you, you, you fell it into the brand very early. I think actually you said pretty much the same thing in English. Um, because everything, all, the journey started very early for me. I mean, I had a bit always this fascination of watches. And, and I remember my, my dad had also his very first watch was an Amiga, a Seamaster 300 Hertz, uh, when, when he was in, on, a, on a travel in Switzerland. And... I had also mine and I was always fascinated by this. So while I was at university, you need to do internship. And, and of course, I turned around and see, looked around and, and looked at, you know, watch industry. And Omega, of course, because for the reason that I just gave was close to my heart. So I, I applied uh, and, and got very lucky to be, to be able to, to have an internship there. So my start started like that, two summers. And then uh, suddenly applying uh, for a more permanent job. Uh, that was, my God, uh, such a long time ago now, 20 years ago, yeah. uh, nearly you know, 21. Um, and I had really the chance you know, to evolve within the company. I, I started uh, in, in marketing and, and also being close to, to NASA and, and, and working with it's such an incredible legacy uh, of Amiga. Um, then I had the, the chance also to work uh, as a product manager. So I was in charge of, uh, of two lines of products, Seamaster and Speedmaster. And uh, because I always was fascinated by, you know, the product and, and I wanted to, to see what was in there, how you develop it and, and how it comes basically from, from a paper to yeah. on the wrist of, of someone. Um, so along the journey, um, I had the chance to, to, to work on a couple of products, like, for example, uh, the first uh, Snoopy. I think well, we might talk about the Snoopy. Maybe. Just a wee Are bit. we going to? Yep. Um, so the, the Speedmaster Apollo 11, the 35th anniversary. Okay, it's, it's now saying, giving away how long ago it was. Yep. And, uh, and of course, a product that is also very, very important here in the UK is the Planet Ocean and the first generation. So, so I had the, the chance to do this. Uh, but uh, I, I always wanted to be, to, to, to be into sales and, and also see how it works to, to sell all these watches. So I worked uh, from, from headquarters in Switzerland uh, for the Southern European countries, then moved to Italy uh, one year later, where I was in charge of the Amiga brand. Uh, from and in 2014, that's uh, where I met you here in the UK yep. because I had the chance to to see also a different market from Italy, see see something here in the UK, and uh, that's I'm here. And uh, and 16, as you said, I uh, I had also the chance to be MD of the group here in the UK and yep. and work closely with all the other brands and see also how the amazing what they do. Uh, how amazing their marketing is, their development plans, and, and also, of course, how, you know, the strength of our group also in terms of manufacturing and coming always with new ideas, new materials, and, 
and all this. So, so that's really a big plus uh, to, to be able to, to see all these things. Yeah, so. oh, great. I mean, that's, uh, you've had a great experience with the, with the company. And <laughs> yeah. I can remember actually back uh, seeing you coming into the office, I think 2015, this, this young, handsome Italian. <laughs> uh, I think, what's he all about? In the, uh, but you're obviously somebody really having spent so much in head office and, uh, yeah. and, and now with, uh, with one of the big markets out here. It's a, it's a great basis to understand both from a consumer standpoint yeah. now and obviously from a, a brand and company standpoint so um, you, you know the business very very well and a uh, pleasure to deal with um, so we're going to talk about the Omega brand um, talk a wee bit about its history uh, yes. what, what it's come through and uh, how we get to this amazing uh, collection of product that we have today uh, so we know it is Omega it wasn't always called Omega no. uh, of course that happened in the early 1900s yes so 1848, uh, so, so a company that was also in, in La Chaux-de-Fonds then, uh, then moved down to, to Bienne. And then, of course, early development. It's a, it's, a, it's a company that became very quickly an international company with many, many markets, very uh, open very quickly. But then we go to, to a year that is a, that is a very important year for the brand, and it's 1894. 1894, uh, the brand family develops this movement that is called Omega. So Omega, why this name? So because for them it was the ultimate in technology. Mm. So there was so they, they took the last the ultimate letter of the Greek alphabet and say that's the only name that we can give to this movement. So. From there, after the, the movement became more and more used in all the, 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 the watches, and then ultimately it became the name of, uh, of the company itself. But for me, I think it's a, it's a very, very important part of our history, because I think that from, it relates to nowadays, you know. Um, it is easy to understand that from a brand that comes from a movement, then, of course, we, we have, we, when we saw the coaxial technology the first time, then we believed in it because we have, you know, this, we come from this movement. Mm. And also it gives also the, um, the know-how because one thing is believing in a technology, but the other thing is also manufacturing the technology. And I think also this is, is what has given us the possibility also to understand it and also to, to develop this, uh, this coaxial technology. So I think that's, um, that's a very important Part for me, this 1894. Uh, of course, then we, we did a lot in our history in terms of uh, diving watches. Maybe we can, we will touch this, and of course the moon and all these things. But 1894, I think for all the things that we do around the movements, uh, I think that's a very important uh, date yeah, for well, us. Yeah, for sure, and and I think you know Omega's you know focus and reputation on quality and yes. uh, and the, the, the technicalities of the movement will establish the. Back then, when Caliber 19 became the, the Omega movement, which became yes. a, which became the Omega brand, yeah. and that expression it's often used about uh, Omega that, that it's all about the movement at the end yeah. of the day. So you mentioned uh, one thing already. I was going to ask you about this whole focus on technical uh, developments and then the manufacturing to the high standards of uh, technical quality. Uh, two elements that are. Um, uh, specific to Omega are the coaxial movement and the master chronometer. Yeah. Uh, so, so a little bit of technical detail of what the coaxial movement's all about. I know, I know. So uh, I, I could tell that you were going to ask about uh, about the coaxial. I think the full thing with coaxial is all about 
friction. And, um, and I think, you know, I, I do a bit sometimes this example when, when we, for example, something that is also in our DNA, uh, uh, sailing. You know, nowadays you have these, these sailing boats that fly over the water because they, they have so much, so less friction. Yep. So, you know, they're on the, these foils. And, and I think, let's keep this example in mind about the coaxial. The coaxial is a change to the escapement. The escapement is a bit the regulation of the movement that yep. gives the precision of the watch. And the previous technology that is uh, still used by many brands, uh, to, to be fair, but is still using the Swiss lever escapement, where there is a big friction between the elements, which needs to, to be serviced more often. And when you take away and you review a bit the, the it looks very easy, huh, saying it like <laughs> that, but uh, when you review a bit everything and you reduce the friction, then of course the precision that you have, the watch, from the beginning, you are able to keep it for a longer time. Yep. So that was all the, the, our aim in putting the, the coaxial escapement into, into our watches. So that uh, basically the idea, as I was uh, saying before, came in 1993. It took us uh, six years to put it in the market with the first Amiga watches with a coaxial escapement put on the market in 1999. Did we stop? No, we didn't stop. So the, in 1999, what we did is to put the escapement in existing movement. What is important in 2007, we developed a brand new movement where basically everything was designed starting from the principle that there was going to be the coaxial escapement. And then we developed everything around it. And, and that's all the new generation of the movement that you see now that we are using for all our products. And I was talking for a brand that comes from a movement. Did we stop there? No, you know, you cannot stop there. You, you, you look around yourself and you say, okay, well, let's keep the precision of the movement, but what is around us, you know, and we live, you know, before this podcast, we had to take away the phones because, you know, there are these magnetical fields, these elements, and you, you feel that what is happening with these magnetical fields. So mm. in 2013, we developed a material, it sounds very strange, it's called Niva Gauss. Yep. Um, and uh, it's very mysterious and we keep it <laughs> mysterious purposely because it's patented. Uh, but this, by this, we managed to have our movements uh, resistant to magnetical fields to 15,000 Gauss. So what it is 15,000 Gauss, you might ask me. So basically you can go to a, have an MRI in a hospital and keep your watch on and uh, the precision of the watch will be unaffected. Yep. So that's, that's how high and, and, uh, it goes. And we wanted to, to, to certify this and that's why we, we, we have certified it to what we call today a master chronometer technology. Master chronometer technology is basically a process where the watch is tested for 15 days as a chronometer, so at the cusk. So it's, yep. a, it's, a, it's an external body in Switzerland. And is it the watch of testing then or the movement? It's the movement. Yep. So, and that's something that many brands use. Yep. And then it comes back and then it goes to another independent body, the METAS. It's the yep. Swiss Institute of Metrology. And there, for 10 days, there are eight more tests that are performed. Yep. One is performed on the movement, great, and then seven other tests are performed on the watch assembly itself. So it's exactly yep. the same watch that the customer will have on his wrist. Yep. And 
when it receives, when it passes all these tests, uh, seven tests are, are made in this environment of uh, 15,000 Gauss magnetical fields, uh, then the watch receives the awarded master chronometer. And the thing I think that also I love into this is, is the fact that a customer can just check his serial number, go onto the Amiga website and yeah. see exactly the results of his own watch to, to these tests. Everything is so open. All yeah. external bodies and everything open for the, for the customer. So yeah. I think it's a, it's a very strong statement. I think it's a very strong series of statements, um, really, that, that really underpins the quality and, and the focus of, uh, of the Omega brand. So we've, uh, we've, we've got the coaxial escapement, so reduced friction uh, overall. Yes. So um, greater accuracy, uh, more robust um, at, at the end of the day. Uh, then you've got your Neva Gauss in, ensuring a very, very high level of anti-magnetic, yeah. uh, which is, has historically been the biggest source of problems with accuracy on, the, yes. on, on the, well, any kind of Swiss watches. So having done both of them, then you just test them to death uh, by going through COSC and then going through uh, Metis, uh, which is all wonderful for the consumer at the end of the day. For, for us as, uh, as retailers, it just means we're waiting longer for the products, but... Uh, all for, a, all for a very, very good reason. It's, but it, it's all for the good, exactly. Yes, for a very good reason. And it just emphasizes the, the focus of the, the Omega brand on, the, on quality and precision at the end of the day, which is kind of fundamental to, to what we all do. Uh, so moving forward a bit, 1932, uh, Omega becomes the uh, timekeeper of the Olympics. And since then, tw more than 20 games of Olympics, winter and summer. Yes, actually, in, in, uh, in Tokyo, it's going to be the, the 29th games that, uh, that will be uh, doing the timekeeping. We, we were aiming to do it this year, but of course, for reasons that we know, it's going to be next year. But um, you can really feel, and that's, that's all the illustration I was saying, you know, 1932, the IOC looks for a company to, to, to record the timing of all the athletes, and you have a, a company that is very international, very well known for its, uh, its quality, and, I mean, with such an incredible movement. So where do they go? They go, obviously, to, to Amiga. Um, and funny enough, I mean, uh, we are in 1932, uh, and now you know that, uh, that the, the games of 2028 now will, will be in Los Angeles. So we go from 1932 to 28 and yep. it will be... Almost 100 years. Yes, yep. exactly. So, so such a long, uh, long journey. And it's always incredible to see uh, all, all, all the statistics because you, you start in 1932 from a, a lone person that went and do the, where was doing the timekeeping of everything alone. Oh, yeah. And now you see something also where, where we have developed so much now, you know, swimming, you have the, the touch pads, you have uh, the finish line technology, you know, the, the photo finish that we developed, uh, and all these things that are, that are uh, basically, uh, that have been developed all these years, because that's our DNA, you know, to, to not yeah. only in watchmaking, but also in timekeeping, we, we have really uh, kept going in terms of, uh, of development and uh, yeah. and now of course it's not anymore alone <laughs> you can imagine now so you have uh, you have uh, uh, huge quantities of material that are shipped and, and a very strong number of people yeah, uh, that no, sure. this, that, yeah. I love to look back at the, the pictures of the old chronographs though when yeah. all, the, all they were was chronographs they obviously weren't, uh, weren't timekeeping exactly but there was beautiful old uh, pocket-sized uh, yeah. uh, chronograph. I love the ones with some kind of red on them somewhere, whether it's the uh, 
the inner measurement or, or the second hand or, or, or the omega sign, whatever. Yeah. You know, red is so associated with omega, of course. But someday in my life, I've got to get one of them because they're, they're such beautiful statements. I, I would encourage you to, to have it. It's really a yeah. piece of history that you have. Yeah. And, and Amazing. See if I can find the one that Sam Misabini had when in the 1924 Olympics at Paris when you had Eric Liddell and Harold <laughs> Abrahams and and, uh, and whatever. that's what I think back of when I, whenever I see those uh, those great chronos and a great heritage and and uh, credibility therefore in chronographs which Omega then moved on to eventually producing the Speedmaster in '57. Yeah, absolutely. So so. You know all all this development in in all these uh, these years and and having this this quality and this understanding of chronograph uh, led us to 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 1957. So basically, uh, 1948 we introduced Seamaster, 1952 Constellation, 1957 we we came with the Speedmaster. It's a chronograph, and in these years between the 50s and the 40s. Um, you know, we, we have all in mind when you go in, in, a, in a watch museum, you see these, uh, at that time, the dials where you had a, a tachymeter, a telemeter, and, and a pulsometer. Telemeter also was used, you know, in, in times of war because they were, um, you were seeing the explosion, starting the chronograph, and when you were hearing the noise of the explosion, you could tell how far away it was, yeah. okay? So, so that, that was also for this purpose. But, of course, you had all these elements on the dials, and it was a bit overcrowding the dials. It was, it's nice, it's beautiful, it's really collectible, collectible items. But, and that's where the Speedmaster comes. For the very first time, somebody has the idea and says, Hang on a minute. Let's put this tachymeter outside of the dial and makes the, the watch more yeah. legible. Um, and that's basically a very iconic watch that comes out. Yep. So everybody nowadays recognizes the, the, the external tachymeter, the, the dome glass, uh, the, the dial that is so highly legible, and, and also the, the hands. Okay, at the beginning they were not like the ones we, we know now, but they became... Uh, a bit long, down the line, a bit even more legible and, and yep. were perfect. I, I love the aesthetic of the uh, Speedmaster. I'm fortunate enough to own your yeah, Minshing Gold, uh, the one uh, celebrating the, the one that the President of the United States couldn't accept because it was too expensive. I, I didn't have that problem. Obviously, but it's, um, it's a beautiful, but I do love the thinness of the of the bezel and the tachymeter, and I've never been able to use a tachymeter. I have to, I've never felt the, uh, the, um, the urge to use one, so it's a uh, it's nice to have it's, it explained. Well, the best way to use it is when you drive your car on, oh, yeah. on, on the highway. So, so basically, you, 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 when you see a milestone coming, you, yep. you start the chronograph. And when you see the second milestone, you stop it. And, and then, then you can see immediately how fast you go. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, so it's, it's, Done. it's very I'll, easy. Uh, I'll, I'll do it and I'll, I'll let you know how I get on. But in the meantime, it looks, uh, it looks gorgeous, particularly that setup. Red ceramic, you know that red ceramic uh, bezel against the gold really looks, yeah. looks, uh, looks beautiful. And you know such a, such a history because, um, and also if we go into vintage, you know it's always good to see what happens yeah. in, in vintage. So the very very first Speedmaster has a name that Amiga enthusiasts know: CK two nine one five. Yeah, okay, it's the first generation. It rolls off the tongue. Sorry, <laughs> just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, and it's, it's a kind of a mythical watch. Uh, you can see it so many, I mean, so actually, so few in, in auctions, but with the, with the price that goes 
up and up. Um, currently, you can have a CK2915 for 150,000 pounds if it is in a, in a good condition in, in an auction. And we're talking about a watch of, uh, of 1957. The second generation, it was called CK2998. Uh, okay, it's a, it's a bit less rare, but it's also still a very, very high holy grail from, from mega enthusiast, and that could be around the mark of 100,000 pounds also. Yeah. Uh, Speedmaster is the most collectible of uh, vintage Omega? Yes, yes, we can say this for, for sure. Uh, I think uh, you can measure it from the results at auction that I'm seeing, but also from the amount of literature that has been yep. written about, uh, about Speedmaster in general. You have... Uh, you have numbers and of, of books that talk about every single change that has been done within whatever period, um, and and this is really uh, highly sought yep. after. I think we're going to talk about other other products, uh, but I think yes. If I have a, to to put, um, uh, we're an Olympic brand, on, so on top of the podium, yep. uh, I would put uh, Speedmaster as, okay. a, as a collectible item. And one of the reasons you might do that is that in 1962, NASA went looking for yeah. watches to use as tool watches, effectively, to, to help them in their, their endeavours, and they anonymously bought up some watches and started testing them, yeah. and eventually... The Omega Speedmaster was the one that uh, won through all the tests. Absolutely. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's just an incredible history if you think that the purchase was just done off the shelf. Yep. Just went, okay, we need a chronograph, so let's go and see what is on the market and let's see if it is uh, fit for our purpose. So, um, of course, they, uh, they, they buy a few, a few brands and, uh, and they test them and... It's incredible how sh tests, you know, you, you have a uh, uh, vacuum, you have uh, oxygen, you have magnetic fields, you have shock, you have, and most of the important one is also a thermal shock that you can have because, yeah. you know, in space you go very fast from the front of the sun to the, to the back and, and so the, yeah. the, there are huge uh, changes. So... You have watches that, that have the hands that are crossing each other because they, are, they have a deformation um, uh, due to, to, the, to the heat or to the shock or, or everything. Or, and the only one that keeps on and on and it is ticking is uh, it's the Omega Speedmaster. Yep. And also uh, the, the visibility that I was talking about was also one of the criteria. And, uh, you know, when you have such a, such a black dial with the white index, the white hands that are very easy to, 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 to read, yep. uh, then that was also a winner for, uh, for, yep. for NASA. So. And Omega didn't know they were being tested and only discovered that no. they had won, unusually. Yes, we, we discovered, like many people, we were in front of our TV and then yep. and there, there was this, uh, this astronaut floating in space, uh, Ed White, and uh, hang on a minute, he's, he's, he has a watch on his wrist. What is this? And that's where we realized that uh, actually he was, uh, he was wearing an Amiga Speedmaster. Yeah, that's, that's an amazing story. And all, all that leads through to 1965, NASA formally selecting uh, yeah. Omega as a, as a timekeeper, if you like. And as a result, uh, the Speedmaster is the first watch ever on the surface of the moon, 1969. Absolutely. And everything goes... You know, very, very smoothly, uh, at least on the Apollo 11 and Apollo 12 mission. Apollo 11, there is always this, uh, and I think that's how we see how reliable the watch is. You know, Neil Armstrong, of course, is the 
the first men to, to, to set uh, foot on the, on the surface of the moon. But the first astronaut that had a speedmaster on his wrist was Buzz Aldrin. Yep. Because basically when they landed, the, the clock, their internal air clock into, into the module failed. So they needed a watch inside the module. So Neil Armstrong basically went out and had to leave his watch inside the module. Yep. And, uh, and for this reason, uh, Buzz Aldrin is a, is a second uh, uh, astronaut on the surface of the moon, but the first astronaut with, uh, with an Amiga Speedmaster. Yeah, no, no, it's a great story. Oh my God, obviously didn't make the module clock. No, or, uh, uh, no, we do a lot of things, but unfortunately yeah. not the module clock. Yeah. So uh, something we're going to talk about in the terms of a current watch then becomes uh, the famous association with uh, Snoopy, the Snoopy Award. Yeah. So how does all that come about? So, yeah, I think that's, that's you, you need to go back to, to April 1970. So, you know, Apollo 11 was, was an incredible achievement. Apollo 12 was the second mission to, to the moon. And then you start to think, oh, basically it's a routine. But actually, no, it's not a routine. It's always an incredible challenge and incredible technology involved to, 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 to launch an astronaut in space and to, and to the moon. So. In 1970, uh, in April, you have Apollo 13 mission that launches. And suddenly, just a few days after the launch, uh, there is an explosion in the tank oxygen. And, um, and that's where the, the whole world starts to look into, into space, rising their eyes towards the moon and thinking about these astronauts. Uh, are they going to make it back to, mm -hmm. to the moon? <clears throat> and um, basically, what happens? is, you know, it's not that you're in space, just turn back the, the engine and go back to, to Earth. So they had to no. go back to the moon to, to use the, the, the gravity of the moon to have enough speed to go back uh, to, to our planet. But um, they had really to save every, every single piece of energy they could have on, uh, on, on their journey. And um, at some point they realized from, uh, from uh, Kennedy Space Center that they were they had a trajectory that was wrong to to re-enter into into our atmosphere So either they were going just to burn into in while they were entering into our atmosphere Or they were just bounce and go back into space and they couldn't restart their computer So the only timing device that they mm. had was on their wrist and it was the, the Amiga Speedmaster mm. so they refired the rocket for 14 seconds and they used the watch to, to perfectly time the firing of the rockets. And so they, they managed to, to, to correct the tra trajectory. And after all the issues they had, finally, they, they managed to, to, to splash. I was going to land, but actually at that time you were splashing into, into the, the yep. ocean and, and be rescued. And, um, and so that, uh, for this reason, uh, we, have, uh, we have received in, uh, in October the 5th, 1970, an award that was uh, presented by the astronauts of the Apollo 13 mission, nope. uh, together with a silver Snoopy pin, uh, and it's it's actually it's the highest award that you can have uh, yep. uh, from uh, from astronauts, and because you have worked towards the safety of uh, of the mission, and uh, so we have received this on October 5th, 1970. Um, and we have presented the watch this year, 50 years later, yeah. on October 5th, uh, 19, uh, 1970. So yeah. that was oh, quite a journey. Yeah, great, great story. And Snoopy, of course, the kind of cartoon mascot yeah. of all of the astronauts, astronauts that they would touched before they went off on a mission. So yeah. 
great kind of uh, humour and symbolism and emotion about the about the whole thing. Yeah. And at the, and at the core of it all, a beautiful watch. Absolutely. So Absolutely. we're celebrating that watch. You've been uh, very kind to bring one along today, since I hadn't actually physically seen one because they're in such a uh, great demand. But this is a beautiful watch that you've introduced this year to celebrate the uh, 50 years. It is, it is. And, uh, and it has been quite the journey. So this is uh, basically the third generation of the Snoopy that uh, we do. We had a previous one in 2003. So it was 33 years after the, the Apollo 13 mission that we decided to celebrate. We're always celebrating the Apollo missions. Um, but we, we had decided also to, to celebrate something that was a pinnacle of our history with, uh, with the space program. So we had a watch uh, that was limited at the time in, in terms of uh, minutes and seconds of the mission, so 54 and 5,441 uh, pieces, so 54 uh, uh, minutes and 41 seconds. And it was just the patch that you find also at the Omega Museum uh, in Bienne on the certificate yep. that we received from the astronauts. Yep. Um, in 2015, we came with the, the 45th anniversary watch, and there the focus was all about the silver Snoopy pin that, uh, that you have. And, uh, and there you had also a highlight uh, of the 14 seconds uh, of the refiring of, uh, of the, yep. the re-entry of the, of the module coming yep. back. Uh, um, and this year, so it's the 50th anniversary, and, you know, the first generation was already a, an incredible watch. The second generation, we pushed the boundaries even more. So we, we kept really a, a strong secret around this, uh, this watch. And I think uh, it was for a reason, because it is such a, uh, a further step towards something even more incredible than, uh, than, yep. than the second generation. Here you have really, uh, and I'm taking here the, the, the watch in my hands, is... Uh, First of all, what you enjoy when, when you see the, the watch is, is, of course, it's a Speedmaster. So, you know, you, you have, as I was saying before, the tachymeter. Uh, but what you, you love and, and, and enthusiast of Speedmaster we love is also the Panda dial, the famous Panda yep. dial. And here we, you have really the silver of the dial with the blue of the counters, the blue of the tachymeter, the, the blue of the hands and the index. So it's really something that the Panda has a lot of, uh, yep. of really enthusiasts uh, for, for this. Um, and that's where also you realize the silver of the watch, of the dial, um, comes from the base of the dial that is, uh, that is in silver. Uh, and then I think where also the, the incredible work that we have done around this watch also is on the case back. Yeah. You, you turn the watch, you, you look at the case back, and, and the first thing that struck you is, of course, the surface of the moon that you see. Uh, and then you realize, okay, there is also a uh, heart here. Um, and our, it's our planet and it's rotating and you say, well, hang on a minute, it's, it's rotating, that's yep. already it, such an excitement. And then that's at that point that you start the chronograph because you know that something is going to happen when the chronograph starts. Yep. So after 14 seconds, Snoopy comes totally out of the shade of the moon to, yep. and you see it flying on this, uh, on this, on the space of the case back, you, you forget for a second that it's a that it's a case back. It's, it's just a, a pure, beautiful sky in, in the space, and it's flying like that and, and going back uh, behind the moon uh, a few seconds la later. So, uh, I think it's and it's mesmerizing to to watch uh, yeah. all the time the the the, the, the case back. It's uh, 
you, you feel, as you were saying just a bit before, uh, a bit like, like kids yeah. uh, enjoying yeah. uh, uh, beautiful objects. And yeah. I think this is a Well, it's, it's got everything. I mean, we love telling stories about watches and what a story there is to tell about. Yeah. Uh, about Snoopy, about Apollo 13, about how important the watch was and contribution it made towards, you know, saving lives. Yeah. And then you have the whole technical aspects to it, in particular the back. I mean, the back is so unique, as you say, but um, that allows you something else to show to your friends and, and uh, tell a story as you display it. And then simply yeah. the watch is gorgeous. The, the blue is a beautiful, beautiful blue. Uh, overall, it's uh, simply a gorgeous watch. So we'd love to have more of them. And I, I think the good news is that from early yes. next year, we should get into a better it, supply situation. It's early situation. start of production. Yeah. So, uh, so. Yeah. But, uh, but, huge but of course, uh, you know, um, like like a few a few products that are coming and, and with the excitement around the brand, yeah. uh, we really notice uh, that uh, basically uh, demand is way higher than supply. Yeah. Uh, so I always encourage people... Um, uh, don't wait, go and, and ask for this watch. And, and of course, unfortunately, we, you will be on a waiting list. Yep. Uh, but I think uh, the more you wait, <laughs> the, yeah, the longer yeah. the waiting list is going to be. So yep. I think, uh, think that the, the reaction to this watch is, is really incredible. Yeah, no, totally. We can, uh, we can attest to that. We do have a big waiting list uh, for it already, but we hope to fulfill all that waiting list, as, as we've said already, early next year. So moving on to another major collection for uh, for Amiga is the Seamaster collection, and uh, again a great history, a great history in chronographs as we've been discussing, but also a great history in diving watches. Yeah. In fact, I think the first ever diving watch was a Amiga back in uh, 1932. Yeah. So in 1932, it's what we call the Marine, and uh, and it was a watch that uh, that basically we had a very sophisticated test to 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 check this water resistance. Uh, we were just basically going on a boat in the middle of a lake, putting the watch on a on a cable and and bringing oh, yeah. down the watch down and saying, okay, is it uh, yeah, what is, is it, it? <laughs> resistant enough or not? And uh, yeah. and so that watch was uh, was resistant for more than 100 meters at the time. Uh, and yes, it, it's it's really the the start of the of the diving watches and 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 all our history. Uh, that that we have had, so uh, and all the pinnacle to 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 go stronger and stronger to to, to more depth, uh, which was also the trend at the time to 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 have the watch uh, resistant to even more uh, more depth. Um, but it's a it's a trend that that never stops, huh? uh, because yep. uh, even uh, even recently and last year uh, we celebrated basically an incredible achievement um, is uh, with Victor Vesco, uh, who basically went uh, really to the very bottom of the Mariana Trench, yep. and uh, on on the wrist of three robo, yeah. um, th there was uh, there was our Amiga watch uh, that uh, that we have called now Ultra Deep. Yep. So of course it's white, white standing up to to, to fifteen thousand meters, so the depth of the Mariana Trench, and of course because it is our standard, those watches were also resistant to fifteen thousand Gauss. Yeah. So 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 really, I think you 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 never stop, and that's also our DNA nope. that brought us to the moon and and to, to, to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. There is always this pioneering yep. spirit that we have. Yep, and, and and it goes on, and of course Seamaster is the. Uh, is the ultimate choice of Commander Bond? Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. Since since many years now, since uh, 1995. Yeah. Uh, so so I think that's a, that's a very long and uh, successful story uh, that we yep. have uh, with uh, with Bond. Um, 
Of course, we, we are all keen to, to see the movie. Uh, yep. I think I've, I've never seen in my life a movie postponed twice. Uh, so it was supposed to happen in April, November, and now even, even more pushed. So um, unfortunately, not seen yet, yep. but uh, very much looking forward. The watch uh, for once is not a limited edition watch, although um, here again, I think the demand has, has by far uh, exceeded uh, the, the supply. So here also, unfortunately, there is a waiting list around this, uh, this watch. And, uh, and basically, it's, it's exactly the same watch that Daniel Craig is, uh, is wearing in the film. Yep. So um, I think um, I, could, I could be here and tell you what happens in the film, but I unfortunately, I'm, even you myself, don't I don't uh. know. Uh, but this is exactly so. So this uh, this watch in titanium with this uh, Milanese bracelet uh, and very vintage uh, and nice look uh, of uh, of the dial. Well, I think that's uh, that's very nice. And also on, on on the back you have all the playing around the numbers. Also of uh, uh, it, it's really basically it's a prop of the film. Yeah. Basically, yes. yes. I mean it always plays so, a big part. Of course, in the uh, in the in the Bond movies, and I believe in this case Daniel Craig had an input even on the design and choice of materials. Yes, yep. absolutely. He absolutely is. A, he's a big fan of the of the Seamaster Diver uh, collection, yep. and uh, and he made a lot of effort also in uh, in uh, in helping us design this uh, yeah. this watch. Yeah, which is which is great to do. And I can see again uh, the movie has, as as we've been discussing, been postponed a couple of times, but. We still have waiting list again uh, yes. uh, demand, but once again, we hope early next year we'll be able to uh, fulfill the demand that's out there already. And then when the movie comes, do you have a date for the movie? Or are they not doing it again? This so I think it's also again uh, in April this April. year. But I mean, uh, until now we are we are crossing our fingers and. Yep. Uh, and you know what? At the end of the day, it also gives the, the opportunity for more people to go and watch the film and have the same yeah. watch that Daniel Craig is wearing during oh, yeah. the film. So, yeah. so I think it's it's for the best. So we'll look forward to April, mask-free, yeah. sitting there at the uh, premiere of, a, of the movie. Finally, quite symbolic when the movie finally comes out. We can declare that the uh, pandemic's behind us, hopefully. Absolutely, that would yep. be so. Such and uh, you're also doing a great thing with your association with uh, the Necton uh, organization. Yes, that's also, you know, we discussed so much about pioneering movements, but we're also very much uh, uh, concerned about our environment in general. And, uh, and we have really welcomed um, the Necton uh, partnership. And uh, it's something that is also has been started from the, the University of Oxford. Yep. Uh, their aim is, of course, to, to let more and more people know about the state of the ocean and, and to protect them. Um, and basically, they dive in, um, in, a, in a submarine that is called Seamaster 2. Yeah. So why Seamaster 2? Uh, because maybe <clears throat> few people know that in uh, early 2000, we, have, uh, we had um, Sir Peter Blake, who was uh, an ambassador of the brand, and he was also doing this kind of, of trips on, on a boat called Seamaster at the time. So there is really this link uh, so, so between the two. So <clears throat> they, um, they basically uh, do this, uh, this work of diving, and we wanted to pay tribute uh, with a watch, so we, uh, of course, we went for a Seamaster Diver watch. We, we have it presented it um, just a few months ago, this watch. And um, it is a bit of a different of diver watch than we are used to, because this time, of course, the, the bezel is not anymore in ceramic, but it's in titanium. The numbers are raised. 
mm. and you have a, a beautiful grain finish to the bezel that is just uh, really stunning. Yep. And um, <clears throat> usually the, the, also the dials of our diver watches are usually you see the waves that are a bit like um, um, embossed in the, in the dial and here they are in relief. So yep. I think that's, uh, yep. that's something that gives a, a different touch. And on the case back, you also can see basically the, 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 the image uh, on the, or the medallion with uh, the submarine. And it is always perfectly aligned because we have this Nyad lock <coughs> that enables us uh, to, to have it perfectly aligned with the case back. Yep. <coughs> when there's always so much kind of thought and detail goes into design when it comes to Omega, and as we said earlier, allows us to tell the stories that the that the watch wants to tell. In this case, a great association with uh, with an environmental organisation, really, really great thing to do. Um, you're also this year celebrating a continued uh, association with the America's Cup and the New Zealand team. Yeah, so we we're active not uh, only under the water but uh, even above the water. Yep. Uh, in 2021, uh, it's going to be the 36th America's Cup. Uh, it will be a partnership uh, of 26, year, 26 years now with, uh, with Team New Zealand. Uh, we won the Cup three times with them. Um, and, uh, and it's going to happen so in March 2021 in, uh, in Auckland. It's something that also here we will be uh, following because there is a Team UK yep. uh, that will be also competing. There is a, uh, the, the New York Yacht Club uh, competing too. They are the first ones that won the cup, so it's very symbolic. And of course, also a team, uh, an Italian team. Uh, uh, sailing is very important there, and that will also compete yep. for it. So we had a watch this year that celebrates this. Uh, it's uh, based on a Planet Ocean. It's a limited edition of 2021 pieces. It's a, it's a, it's a white dial, and, and I have a bit of a, so, a soft spot also for white dials. Uh, even there, the, you have uh, blue ends, blue index, and you, you see the cup also on, on the second hand of the, of the watch, which is incredible, uh, that you see also the case back. And um, a nice ceramic bezel that enables you also to time the start of, uh, of the race. Uh, and it's basically, it's a ceramic bezel, a bezel of three colors. You have uh, uh, blue, you have white, and you have red, which yeah. is also something technological to, to make. The watch is really stunning. Uh, and, and the nice thing is also a bit of a limited edition, as I said, of yeah. 2021 20, pieces. No, I, I can attest again, it's, it's beautiful, and I agree with you, the, the brightness of the, uh, the white dial against the blue and the, and the red really, uh, really is very, very striking. Okay, the, the last collection for us to talk about, again, a, really, a great uh, core and uh, heritage collection, but very much modernised uh, today as a Constellation uh, collection. So where does the name Constellation come from? So Constellation, you know, it's for a long time, um, watch brands were, were competing against each other in terms of precision. And you were always doing this in an observatory. Too. And, um, and so that's why the name comes from there, because you, that's where you see the, the, the constellations. And uh, that's why also you have a star on the dial of our constellation watches, but also on the case back. And uh, we have seven of them because it's a bit like a, in football, you have at the World Cup, you have a star for every World Cup yep. that you win. And, and we have seven uh, uh, world um, record of precision. That, uh, and that's why, that's why we have on, uh, on our watches. So, so that's why yep. the name constellation. No, good. And that's, I mean, it's also connected with having historically the Geneva 
observatory engraved yes. on the, on the back of as well. And a lot of real uh, iconic associations with a constellation, the Pi Pan, which I must say I loved when you brought it back with the Globe Master. I think it's a beautiful yep. aesthetic on the on the dial. The claws at uh, at three and nine o'clock. Well, the, the claws were functional. Uh, so at the beginning, but yes. Uh, so the design with the claws uh, started in 1982, and it was really functional to keep uh, the the case together, uh, also to to ensure that it was. Uh, it was as thin as possible, yep. so that was really a design. And, and and like the rest of the constellation, it has become extremely iconic because yep. you had not only the clothes, but you have the bezel with the Roman numerals that you that you have uh, that are extremely uh, recognizable. And and the bracelet, you know, uh, on on the case you see uh, next to the bracelet the half moon that that merge perfectly with the bracelet. Um, and uh, and I think this this is an iconic bracelet that, that that comes and this looks so well. Either you have it in steel or in steel gold. Yep. Uh, sometimes the mix of steel and gold uh, is is difficult, but here it's very nice and very subtle. And also in in gold, the, the, the look is amazing. On the side of the bracelet, everything is is also polished on on, on this uh, this new generation, which is the fifth one. And I think it is really a, a big plus to 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 have also this polishing uh, on the side of the bracelet. Oh yeah, for sure. And and this year, a fantastic introduction of a beautiful range in forty-one millimeters yeah. of a constellation. Really a beautiful size. Uh, really great choice of materials and uh, and colors uh, overall. We got we got a couple of them here. I mean, I, I personally love the uh, uh, the blue with uh, with the rose gold. Yes. Um, which I, I think it's, a I mean, it's always a stunning combination. I think blue and rose gold, a lot of brands do it, but you've got a particularly vivid blue here. And again, yeah. having the, the, the rose gold elements and the claws really, really shows the iconic. I uh, think, you know, the, the, the difference between, um, between this size, the, the Constellation 41 and the other one, I think is a ceramic bezel. Uh, that, that gives also a little bit sporty touch to, to the watch and, and we know that we also here in the UK love watches with a little sporty touch yep. and I think it's, it's a really uh, a big plus on, on this model uh, you have also a rubber strap uh, and, and I think that's also our own uh, developed rubber um, that is, uh, that is uh, on this watch so I think, and of course it keeps the same aesthetics as Constellation as I said, the, the bezel, the clothes uh, that's all the elements that are yep. extremely known to, about the, this line. Yeah, no, it's a beautiful range of product. I think it's a perfect size. Like you say, we love a kind of sporty, but sporty elegance, yeah. uh, which uh, which I think this range does part uh, particularly well. Other examples we've got here of the the blue with the with the steels, a wonderful combination. Uh, other black and Minoi popular black dials are here in the UK again with the steel yeah. and the Roman numerals around in a ceramic, uh, the ceramic bezel. It's really, really a beautiful uh, execution. And uh, the Constellation range, I mean, it covers a lot of sizes. It's women's and men's. Yes, absolutely. So you have the, the, the sizes also for ladies at uh, 25, 28, 29 millimeters, even 35. Um, that that really uh, come in, in in a range of variety because I think it's a very versatile also uh, uh, collection. Uh, so it comes. Uh, it's nice because the bezel can be enhanced with diamonds on the bezel. 
you have the variety of dials. Uh, you can have plain dials. You can have yeah. mother of pearl dials, mother of pearl dials with diamonds. So I think there is really a, uh, a wide variety of product, and it is very easy to find uh, your your most preferred product about yeah. all this collection. And then, of course, you you have a 39 and 41 millimeter that are more gen sizes. Yep. Um, and, and to be fair, also on this 41 millimeter here, if if uh, someone really wants a bracelet, you can always take a bracelet from a 39 millimeter. It fits also on this one, so you have really right, the possibility okay. yep. to to also do this. So um, I think it's a very yep. uh, very versatile collection, as I was saying. So that, I mean, that's three major families we've talked about their, their history and, and some you know, great current and new you know, yeah. e executions of the product. Is that it? What else you got going on? Well, I think then we, there is, a, there is a two elements where I think there you really touch again uh, what we are as a, as a company in terms of movements. Um, I'll, I'll do a little step back to Speedmaster 321. You know, Speedmaster 321 is something that is really the holy grail again of, of the Amiga enthusiast because basically it's the movement that was into the Speedmaster that we discussed before that were tested by NASA. Yep. Uh, but of course, uh, it was a very difficult movement to produce. Uh, so in 1968, Amiga moved to the movement that was uh, the 861 at the time. So since then, we have never produced the, the, the caliber 321. So um, a bit earlier in the year, we, we have announced that we were going to come back with this movement. And that was really a lot of enthusiasm around it. And I think um, it's, it's, we come in the high level of the movement because it's a movement that is produced by one watchmaker. Even nowadays that we had to reproduce it, mm. it's produced by one watchmaker. Um, so, so the story basically around the 321 is also um, when we decided to reproduce it, we had to go back to, to, to the old watches and, and really restudy them and, 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 and rework on them and, and use a process called tomography to, to, to really understand how to reproduce them again. But of course, we have also enhanced um, uh, the, 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 the parts of the movement that were in copper at the time are now in, in, in our own gold, Sedna gold, we have mm. our own gold. Um, and uh, and so the, the, the first 321 caliber Speedmaster uh, are back on the market this year. They come also in the case that is the third generation uh, Speedmaster. Um, and, uh, and there is also a, a very huge demand. And also here, like in, uh, until 1968, the movement is still very difficult to produce. Quantities are coming very, very slowly. Uh, because it is it is a high level uh, movement and, and so it's taking some time, so it's nice because also the, the watch comes with a, with a, the, the dial where you have the vintage Amiga logo, and you don't see the professional also because you know professional was added to the Speedmaster after we went to the moon. Yep. Um, so so of course you have no professional um, on uh, on the dial. The the, lo the vintage logo is also on the on the sapphire crystal of the watch. Yeah. The tachymeter now is also in ceramic, and, and we have made sure we, we were putting the, the dot on the 90 that, that enthusiasts will know about the Speedmaster. Yep. And the bracelet is also the, the bracelet of, uh, of the time, uh, the, the vintage one, with, and you also have the, the, the logo. Of course, the construction looks like, but it's nowadays technology. Yep. Uh, and and so, so it is. And the other one is also a central tourbillon. Amiga is the, the only watch in the world that has a tourbillon that is located exactly in the center of the watch. So of course it creates 
issues in terms of the hands because normally that's where the hands are. Yep. So uh, so we had to to to, to change all these and uh, basically the tourbillon cage rotates in 60 seconds, and so that's the second hand that we put on the cage itself. And then the rest around is, is mysterious hour and minute hands that are etched on a sapphire crystal that, that look around. So we did a lot of improvements to the tourbillon and the latest that we have presented this year is a tourbillon that, is, that goes the same test that I was mentioning before, uh, like to, to be a master chronometer. So I think that's, that's really no other tourbillon is, is master chronometer in the world, is a world premiere. Yep. And, and again, another demonstration uh, of... Um, of what we know our uh, our skills and uh, and I think uh, we have a picture here um, and it's really like with this this brown dial uh, and I, I think it is it is a stunning watch and on the case back uh, you can see the movement and you have also the, the visibility of the power reserves of the watch so we also improved the movement because before you, you the crown was only used to wind the movement and then on the bottom of the the watch you had a little crown to set the the hour and the minutes uh, all this now is purely in the crown so you don't have also this uh, this issue yep. so you can uh, just uh, wind the 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 watch and um and and also set the, from the crown yep. the, the time it's uh, it's stunning it really is and uh and I believe it's yellow gold, right? I can just look at This is a no Sedna gold. This is our, our Sedna gold. You know that we have Sedna is for our uh, red gold, we okay. have Canopus for white, we have Moonshine for, for yellow. And it's always a question where we just uh, increase the amount of, of gold, uh, reduce or totally uh, take out copper yep. and add some platinum, some palladium yep. or, or some silver, you know, to, to, to keep the shining. It's really also in this effort to keep also the other components of the watch for, for a longer yep. time. So. It's, uh, it's beautiful. And I remember you presenting the first one to me, the blue dial one. Is that like 2015, would it have been? Yes, exactly. Yeah. It was yeah. 2015. Uh, I remember being mesmerized by that at the time. <laughs> yeah. And it's, a, again, a wonderful technical feat, and which is a nice place for us to, to finish. It's really, really where we started talking yes. about the Omega movement and the technical Absolutely. focus of the company, and we finish up with a stunning... Uh, uh, central tourbillon watch and uh, it's been a real pleasure we, we could talk for hours I think and, uh, Absolutely. and I'd, I'd love to listen to you for a lot longer talking about you, uh, you could do a podcast only on Speedmaster <laughs> yeah no you're, you're absolutely right they're all individually great uh, great collections and all part of this uh, great brand uh, Omega but it's been a real pleasure Andrea thank Very you for, uh, pleasure thank you for joining me thank you for coming in thank you the same to, to you thank sir. you thank Take you care. so much take care bye Thank you for listening to the Calibre podcast. We do hope you enjoyed it. Please do subscribe and listen to other episodes on Apple Podcast and Spotify.